you're listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Brought to you in association with OvertimeIreland.com. Now, here's the OTI guys. Hello and welcome back to the OTI Podcast. Myself, Colin Kelly, as always, here to bring you the show. Hopefully you're looking forward to today's show. Should be a fun one. Going to be joined today by Matt Harmon. A lot of you'll know him from his work on NFL.com. Does a lot of fantasy football stuff over there as well as football guys. He has his own website as well, thebackyardbanter.com. And of course, his Reception Perception series as well. And uh, I'm delighted to have him jumping aboard the show in just a couple of minutes' time. We'll be talking as well about his new podcast that he's got going on and lots, lots more. Uh, so, as always, starting the show, I'd like to thank you for tuning in. And as always, uh, if it's your first time listening to the show, hopefully you're going to enjoy it. And hopefully you will hit that subscribe button, uh, whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you're listening, hopefully you'll subscribe. Of course, you can stream it as well on OvertimeIreland.com. But lots of ways to listen on all your mobile devices. And, of course, you can download in multiple formats if you want and help uh, boost up those ratings for the OTI podcast while we're on the subject of iTunes Stitcher go over there and give us a written and a comment as well also helps boost us up those iTunes rankings and I can't thank you enough for your continued support of the podcast not a lot going on with me the past week obviously doing my day job going to work and uh, as I mentioned on a previous show starting to plan for after I finish up my work and what we'll be doing before we head back to Ireland going to go on uh, some sort of an adventure we'll be heading all around uh, different parts of Australia before heading to New Zealand so looking forward to seeing places like Sydney and then heading over to New Zealand Auckland Christchurch so on and so forth down to Queenstown maybe some adventure sports so looking forward to all that and the time being while organizing that trip probably the most exciting thing that uh, happened this past week was headed down to Chinatown here in Melbourne uh, got some delicious Chinese food and uh, good experience hope fully do that again in the next few weeks before we head on that trip but I'd of that not a huge amount uh, happening doing the day job uh, watching the combine things like that uh, watched Arsenal play Manchester United at 2am in the morning and as an Arsenal fan that was not enjoyable hopefully uh, they can pick up a few wins in the Barclays Premier League this coming week but um, with my rambling going on I think that's enough I think you're ready to, to hear about some NFL football whether it's fantasy whether it's a combine and let's just get Matt Harmon aboard the show Hi, I'm Matt Williamson, and you are listening to the Overtime Ireland Podcast. Joined on the OTI Podcast now by Matt Harmon. A lot of you will know him from NFL.com. His work there now, and uh, TheBackyardBanter.com as well. He started up his own podcast as well, The Backyard Banter Podcast. But uh, I've been a big fan of your work, Matt, for a long time, so it's an absolute pleasure to have you on the show. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This is great. I uh, did a podcast with a few fellas in uh, Australia recently, too, and a Danish podcast. I'm really making the international rounds here, it seems. So thanks again for having me. This should be fun. Yeah, so this is an Irish podcast, but uh, I am in Melbourne, Australia at the moment. So it's really very, very international, but it's a lot of fun. And, you know, the the community of the podcast NFL-wise, whether it's fantasy, whether it's just talking NFL news, is absolutely incredible. And I'm always blown away by all the different people who are willing to give time to talk NFL. And, you know, you talk about it on your new podcast, The Backyard Banter. You're talking about it with Sigmund Bloom. And, you know, Ross Tucker was the first person I ever heard talking about it, but the sickness. And uh, I think all of us uh, that talk fantasy football and talk regular NFL really do have it. Uh, you know, just it's, it's just amazing just talking about the game. So it's good to have you aboard the show. I mentioned there your podcast, The Backyard Banter, and your first guest, Sigmund Bloom. I've uh, you've two shows in the book now, and I'm sure there's many more to come. But I just want to congratulate you on starting it up. It's uh, great to see talk from the perspective that you're coming at it of 
the people involved and uh, what goes into it and uh, it's just uh, it's good to get that perspective um, and I think you're, you're doing a tremendous job so far yeah thank you I'm excited about it I got an I'm recording an episode tomorrow with uh with JJ Zacharyson from number fire oh, so nice. uh yeah, yeah lots of different people coming on good perspectives it's been fun and the, yeah the feedback I appreciate that it's been great because it's you know it's something I feel passionate about that when you are able to make it in something you should then feel some sort of like desire to help other people get there too and so that's really what my goal is so hopefully i spent spent the day putting a little more time into it hopefully making it a little less clunky because right now i'm still kind of a rookie host and everything so we'll see i'm, I'm excited about it going forward though yeah and uh, i just i enjoyed it because although i'm doing this at a lot lower key level than the guys you're talking to uh, i have had them on the show and it's always good to you know to hear how they started out to hear how their struggles along go and sometimes they get fed up doing it as well so uh, i've said to the listeners a few times recently that i was doing two shows a week during the regular season i'm doing one show a week now during the off season and uh, it is nice sometimes to just get that little bit of a break from it because it does sometimes during the season it does become a grind and uh, recording oh. at 7 a.m in the morning or 6 a.m in the morning can take a toll 100 <laughs> percent, man i like the i love football you know we're just talking about the sickness and everything i love like watching games and everything during the season all the craziness that that is but it's good to be in the off season right now like taking kind of a grand view of things can step back and like oh yeah there are some other things in my life i like to do other <laughs> yeah i know exactly and uh, although you say there's a little kind of a lull now at the moment the lull is basically uh over for last week it started with the combine right. and then in a couple of weeks time we're going to get in well next week we're going to get into free agency then we're going to get into the draft so it's going to get pretty crazy again and ramped up very very rapidly but uh, the combine last week um i don't watch a lot of college football uh, i'm the first to admit that but the the combine's kind of you start to get a look at some of these prospects with the combine being on your key takeaways um maybe who impressed you the most or who uh, maybe you were looking forward to seeing who disappointed you yeah you know i spend most of my time uh on the wide receiver position so i'll talk about a couple guys there um josh doxon really impressed me of course he tested out in the 93rd percentile of spark scoring according to zach whitman who does all the work over there at three sigma.com or three sigma athlete.com sorry um that was really impressive because he was a guy that when you watch him and you watch him on film and everything he's really clean he does everything really well so to me that was kind of like the last box he needed to check and that was just such an encouraging performance especially because it matches what you see when you watch him like the leaping ability the smooth athleticism that he plays with so to me that was one that really was a was a big takeaway was just he kind of cemented himself as a clear first round pick and like now I'm kind of wondering is he you know the best receiver in the draft is it him or Laquan Treadwell so to me those two guys are really close I still think Treadwell will be my number one, but Doxon's performance was just so encouraging that I I had to really feel good about that. Also, uh, another one of my favorites, Sterling Shepard had a really good combine. He has, you know, he has some question marks as far as like quickness, which is weird because he's so sudden on the field. He does get such great separation that that was kind of odd that like his three cone drill and I think his short shuttle were a little kind of just a little average to below average but then his leaping his jumps those were all really great which is important because he is a smaller receiver and he's going to need to have that jumping ability to order in order to improve at winning contested catches which is something that 
really helps a small receiver transfer transform their game into beyond just like a like a short area slot guy and everything so those two were probably the most impressive to me and then somebody that really i was disappointed with was richard higgins out of colorado state um he's one of my favorite like late rounds like mid to late round sleeper guys but after i mean he tested i think out in like the third percentile of nfl athletes according to according to whitman yeah no not good at all (laughs) like and just i was listening i was listening to the podcast that uh he did with uh rotoviz radio the other day yeah Yeah, and he was just just the the like sadness picture that that like he has to pretty much beat so many odds to be successful in the nfl based on that it stinks because he's a really good player i think and so we'll just have to see i still believe in him of course like i trust my process and and reception perception and all that so i trust all that very much and i do i do still hold out hope for him but that was discouraging yeah there's there's always outliers but as he mentioned on when he was on on uh, rotoviz you know it's really really up against it for the amount of nfl athletes uh, who have ever had that spark score is you're really really down at the bottom end of it but you did yeah. mention josh doxson and he's a player that i've uh, kept an eye on over the last maybe four or five months because another guy we've had on the podcast uh, rich dotson of dynastynerds.com and he's been talking him up uh, kind of probably since october and a lot he was always at that stage he wasn't being talked about all that much you know you had all the talk about treadwell and so on but uh, he's somebody who has played very well, and now in the last uh, week with the the combine has done significantly well there. So as you mentioned, he could be your top wide receiver. Do you think uh, you know as we go forward now for the next two or three weeks, he will really get ramped up with the hype going into the draft? Well, I do think that the public seems to be pretty down on this wide receiver class and yeah. as a whole, which I think is kind of unfounded because I do think it's a really good class with a lot of different sort of flavors. I just think it's not as top heavy and as exciting as the last two years. And that's fair. Those were two really good classes, especially 2014. Yeah, so ridiculous. I think, I know it's crazy. It's crazy <laughs> looking back on it. Just like, you know, some people are like, well, there's no Odell Beckham or there, you know, there's no Odell Beckham, Sammy Watkins, Mike Evans, and like listing off yeah. five guys. And it's like, well, that's a little crazy to expect that. Um, don't forget, like, I think it was a couple drafts before that, like hardly any receivers were going in the first round. So I think it's just, I think right. So right now, I don't know how high, how high the hype train is going to get, but I do think that Doxton can push for a top 20 selection uh, and which I think is, is legitimate. I think that he can and I, I I might just be biased towards a wide receiver position, but you look across you know the kind of the top fifteen picks. There are several teams right around that range that need a wide receiver. You look yeah. at Detroit at sixteen. I think Doxton would fit great with what they need there. So I I don't know that he will be the first receiver taken, especially if Treadwell does come out and have a good workout at his pro day and everything i think that will really silence some of the criticisms against him which i also think are unfair so i think that it just kind of depends i don't know that they're going to get pushed up that high but certainly i think doxing is worth a top 20 pick yeah and coming out of it as well you know the wide receivers times in the 40 yard dash um a lot slower than your average times over the last even five or six years but every position seemed to be slower this year than normal people talking about was it a slow track you'd imagine that uh, each and every yeah. year the the running conditions in indianapolis pretty much the same did you take any notice of that that across the board all the time seemed to be down this year yeah, to me, and like we, we did this with the running backs last year too. Like the running backs were abnormally slow. Like Amir Abdullah ran a four six last year, which in, you could you could tell watching him like he doesn't play to four six speed. Yeah. Um, and I, I think in general, like this wide receiver class all year, I've been paying attention to it and charting it out. Like even during the college football season, these guys didn't strike me as slow. Yeah. Like this, it wasn't like an abnormally you know 
not fast class. So to me, I do think it was probably maybe something's going on with the track, something's going on with the times. I, I don't know, but to me, it's not something I'm taking a huge stock in. Yeah, because you know, if it's one player, that's fair enough. But when it's every single player across the board, I don't think just everyone in college is slow this year. So it'll be interesting to see moving forward, even at the pro days, as to how much uh, these times seem to, to change. With the reception perception series, you know, you mentioned it a moment ago. I mentioned it in the intro part prior to you coming on, but uh, that's something that you're very, very well known for, and over the last couple of years has been a very, very interesting read. Um, with the players this year, was there any players that maybe you didn't have a, a huge eye for coming into the last couple of months that uh, have surprised you as to how high they rated in your scores? In terms of college players, yeah. I definitely Malcolm Mitchell was a big surprise to me. I didn't have really any expect. He's one of those guys I went into it really the last couple of months with no expectations of him to be anything but just like another guy to chart to round out the yeah. class. But he ended up scoring, I mean, so well, especially one of the things that I measure is success rate versus coverage, which is just basically how often they're getting open yeah. on different routes on the route tree and against each you know zone, man, press coverage, that sort of thing. And he was consistently scoring out above average in all those metrics. So that was really impressive to me. And so part, you know, sometimes when that happens, I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, Am I crazy? What's going like what's going you know, what's going on here? Yeah. This guy's like a top five scorer in the class. Then he does come out and has a really good combine performance. Uh he had massive hands, good jumps, good quickness, agility drills, that sort of thing. So maybe there is something going on there. So he was one guy that really late in the process surprised me. I did not expect to have such good numbers on him. But now now that he backed it up with his a physical ability now i start to have, you know you really have to kind of start to take it seriously yeah and I, that's what i always find interesting as anyone that does statistical analysis of players not you know if you go in and you say oh i really like sterling shepherd and he comes out as your number one overall player sometimes you think well maybe i just give a little bit of favorable mark to him uh, but when you look yeah. at somebody who you don't think going into it's going to be one of your top players and you've him ranked at the fifth wide receiver overall in your rankings uh, it's uh, it's always those ones that I do find interesting um, obviously with the reception perception you've been doing it on NFL players over the last few seasons uh, Alan Robinson was a big one you talked about last year but uh, this year going into it is there anyone that you have uh, that you expect to have a big year that maybe people aren't really talking up well, right now I'm I'm doing work on the free agents because, yeah. of course, it's that time of year. So those are really the only guys that I've gotten to so far. So speaking on those players in particular, um, really the two guys – I mean, it's a, it's a rough free agent group uh, yeah. with Alshon Jeffrey getting the franchise tag as expected. It's just not a lot of guys out there. But the two guys that I think at the top are Marvin Jones and uh, Travis Benjamin of the Cleveland Browns. And I think Jones gets a lot more national buzz, but – Travis Benjamin might be the better player. Not that I think Jones is a bad player. I just I really like what Benjamin brings to the table. I think that he had a legitimate kind of, you know, a, as much of a breakout season as a Browns wide receiver could have in that environment. <laughs> um, he had a couple of really big games to start the year. And then, of course, like we always kind of do in fantasy, we're, we're really slow to, well... To adjust. Yeah. We're, yeah, we're, good fantasy players can adjust at the right time, you know, in, a, in the proper situation. But sometimes as a whole, we're a little slow to, like, believe things. But one thing that I did, I went through and looked at, I charted a few of his games uh, out for reception perception early in the season. 
And I think the numbers bore out that he's legitimately a good young player. So, and now that I think contract negotiations have broken down sort of between he and the Browns, he's garnering interest from teams like Atlanta, a San Diego. I think he would fit really well in either of those spots. So he's a guy that I think we should definitely keep an eye on where he ends up. Yeah, I've heard uh, rumors off him over the last month, uh, you know, with the link down to Atlanta. And I think, you know, they need a piece now opposite Julio Jones. I think that'll be a fantastic landing spot for him. We'll see what happens. And I'll be asking you a question about him in just a few moments' time. But bouncing off the wide receivers now and jumping on to quarterbacks, uh, just before we started recording, the news comes out that Joe Flacco has signed an extension. Pretty monster numbers involved in that. Uh, Not a contract I was expecting to be renegotiated at this point. Obviously, he got the big contract after they won the Super Bowl a couple of years ago, but they have him tied down now even longer term. Were you surprised at the timing of this announcement for Flacco's contract? He's coming off the injury as well, um, although his long-term health isn't expected to be impacted by it. It just seemed to me, I was very, very surprised when I seen it this morning. Yeah, I think the trouble with a team like Baltimore is that they are essentially, you know, like I don't want to say stuck with Joe Flacco, but they're stuck in that with that contract that they're paying him probably more than he's worth. Maybe. I don't know. I like Flacco. I've always been kind of a Flacco apologist, but um, I I really like him as a player. But, you know, they're stuck with this big quarterback cap number that they're just going to have to keep kicking the can down the road with it pretty much for the rest of his career unless they wanted to make a drastic move or something. So I I don't know. I definitely probably is odd timing, like you said, considering the injury. But uh, I mean, I don't know what we what we expect to happen. I mean, this is he's going to be their guy and uh, they're just going to have to kind of keep living with that. Like what, you know, I, I don't think he's like a Sam Bradford, like kind of situation. I'm sure we'll talk about, but like <laughs> he's good enough to, to, to merit that contract. But it's just going to always be something they're going to have to keep renegotiating again, again and again. Yeah, and with the salary cap going up each and every year, it makes it a little bit more balanced when they signed that contract. Uh, I think it was three years ago now. It made it seem monster. It was the biggest in the league at the time. But because mm-hmm. the cap's gone up, it seems a little bit more balanced now. And he is one of those players that, you know, at the quarterback position, if you have him, you're not letting him go uh, that sort of way. So you mentioned being stuck with him money-wise. I think they're stuck with him because it's very difficult to just let him go because he has won the Super Bowl before. He has shown that he has the arm talent to play in big games, and I think they're just going to have to stay with him until uh, the wheels fall off eventually. But I think he's, uh, as you mentioned, he's above average, and uh, I think he's probably the best option they have for a long, long time. He was pretty quietly... Sorry, I didn't mean to, but he was having a pretty, quietly having a pretty good season this year. The Ravens, in general, stunk, but Flacco was having some good numbers before he got injured, and especially on a team that just continued to take hit after hit after hit. Um, So, yeah, I thought this was quietly kind of a good year for him. Yeah, it was really just uh, him, uh, Kamari, and then... uh, Steve Smith so they didn't really have many options either with the injuries Perryman missed the whole season so we'll see when he gets the weapons back and uh, if he's fit in time to start the season other couple of contracts at the quarterback position this week Tom Brady uh, signed a, a two-year extension would keep him as a quarterback until he's into his 40s would be one of the oldest uh, players to ever play in the league if he finishes that out and it is again uh, it seems like it's going to be another team friendly deal Brady uh, over the last couple of seasons I know we're not going to feel sorry for Tom Brady and the amount of money he's made in this career but definitely one, <laughs> one of the cheaper options we're talking about we'll be talking about in a minute about the contract with Sam Bradford Tom Brady has been uh, very very helpful to the Patriots over the last couple of years 
No doubt. That has been something that's been pretty unique. It's a unique relationship, I think, between team and player where he's willing to do that to continue to keep them in contention. Um, now, whether Brady actually ends up playing the duration of that contract, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. We've seen, I mean, we've seen with Peyton Manning, we saw with Brett Favre before that, like with these older quarterbacks, and he will be 39 this year, I yeah. think, right? Yeah, if I'm right. Yeah. yeah, so it's the year-to-year thing. Like the wheels could fall off at any time, and there have definitely been moments where Brady has been, you know, human. Like yeah. not not a Hall of Fame greatness at all at all times in the last couple of years. So again, it could happen at any time, but it's good on him to keep giving the team an opportunity to contend. Yeah, and it's absolutely incredible when you look at it. The amount of times you start to think, oh, you know, Brady's lost it and he's not the same, and he's bounced back time and time again. So. I've kind of stopped out. Now, I know eventually it will uh, come to an end, but, you know, you look at how Manning uh, over two seasons dipped down so much uh, from his record set in season two years ago to this point in time now. So it's uh, it's very interesting always to see how these players finish up. And uh, But Brady, the way he's uh, dealt that contract, you know, there's a lot of talk about Matt Forte now that he may be willing to take a team-friendly deal to try and have an opportunity to win the Super Bowl. But not a lot of players do that at the end of the day. Brady's been one of those kind of guys over the last few seasons. The other contract, Sam Bradford, um, you know, a big contract from the Eagles. I mentioned not expecting uh, Flacco to get his contract. I wasn't really expecting them to keep hold of Sam Bradford. I thought he would hit the free agent market. Uh, were you surprised at this contract or? Or do you think just at this t- point in time it's the the best option they had? Yeah, I mean, I hate to be, I hate to say that. Like, I never like to feel like I, I want a team to settle, or mm. I don't want, I don't want anybody to settle ever. You should always shoot for the best you can get. And I, but I, but the Eagles are kind of in a tough spot in that way. Like, they were just good enough that they're not going to really have a shot at one of the better quarterbacks in the draft. So what else are they going to do and it was a pretty i mean it's not it's not like they signed him to a five-year extension or anything it's only two years or something and the money is the money's terrible but all quarterback money is terrible so i mean they were if they were going to go out and get somebody that was probably a bradford level or potentially even less player they're still going to have to they will still overpay a quarterback on the open market and one that probably was even worse so and i guess in a way it's just it just depends on what the Eagles are expecting, and it sounds like they're not like expecting to hitch their wagon to Bradford, as long as they are open to the opportunity of some like a, a third round or a second round rookie coming yeah. in and displacing him or making any other moves. I think it's fine. It just it's just weird that Sam Bradford kind of always seems to consistently get excuses made for him back in the beginning of my writing career i actually put an article up defending sam bradford but that was like two years ago you know now like at this point it's like i'm i'm over it i was i was one of the last ones to hold on it seems like but now people come in and out of the the, the sam bradford bandwagon so i i don't know it's just yeah, i think it's a perception of the player that's odd not necessarily the situation in philadelphia yeah it's uh, i got a tweet just uh, after the contract was announced and uh, it was that he made, he has made, he has been paid 14 million dollars over a nine-year career and uh, if you look at you know the return on investment by the rams and the return on investment so far by the eagles uh pretty pretty uh, crazy i have to say that he's probably fallen into the overpaid category but excellent work if you can get it and uh, i'm sure we would all take it uh next up uh brock osweiler um he's obviously peyton manning's feature there's still uh, no decision really made i expect it to come out in the next couple of days probably uh, before the weekend but can't see uh, anything other than peyton walking away from the game at this point in time and uh, brock osweiler then with the franchise tag being handed out to von miller they're gonna to have to tie him down i well, do you think the effect on the market with the uh, Sam Bradford 
deal will uh, we'll see something similar coming for Brock Osweiler. Obviously, he's been with the Broncos now for the last uh, four seasons, so they have seen a lot of him behind the scenes. And uh, maybe a contract, like a two-year contract, would be the right way to go here. Yeah, I don't know. The Osweiler situation is weird because, at least with Sam Bradford, he actually did kind of play well a little bit, at least a little bit better towards the end of the season. Yeah. I mean, Osweiler ended the season on the bench. Like they, <laughs> they pulled the guy, and yeah. and he played poorly in in plenty of spots. Like, I, and it is his. This is what his fourth or fifth season in yeah, the NFL. Fourth, he's, yeah. It's not like he's necessarily – I mean, he hasn't played a lot, but he's not necessarily like this is a second-year player or something. So, to me, I don't don't really – I have no idea. If I was Denver, I really honestly don't know what I would do. I would feel much more comfortable letting him go than making a big move to keep him just because I don't think he's shown – that much ability i mean but but also uh, we have to remember that elway really likes him yeah. he, i think he and elway's son have some sort of relationship going back to college uh, so this is a guy that the team is clearly invested in it seemed like they ran the offense that they wanted to it towards the end of the season before pulling him but to me it's just such a weird unique situation that uh, he's a guy i definitely would not like I would not if I was the Broncos, I would not re-sign Brock Osweiler with the intention that this guy is no question my starter. If I, I would do a deal probably similar to the one that Sam Bradford got, like you overpay him a little bit, but you don't make a big long year term. To, yeah. yeah, long-term commitment. Take it year to year. If he's still like halfway through next season and he's not performing, so what? Then you but you bench him again and that's it. Yeah, no, I would agree with that there, going on from that there kind of view. But you mentioned there it is his fourth year, but he'll be going into his fifth year. But you can do all the practice you want on the practice field, playing against, you know, scout teams and so on. But until you get into the, the kind of firing line on the field, it is still uh, kind of a rookie situation where you are going to make those mistakes. Maybe we'll see him grow. And I, I still think that the Broncos will probably keep hold of him. Um, speaking of, you know, that sort of situation with Osweiler, another player that, you know, hadn't really been consistent. He got a lot of buzz uh, when he came in in relief of RG3 a couple of seasons ago. And then he had a rocky enough start to this year, but the last 10 games of the season was really, really strong. Um, Kirk Cousins has been franchise tagged by the Washington Redskins. Do you think that's the correct decision? I think it is because we mentioned with those other two guys not putting in the long-term investment. I think the, the Redskins still aren't 100% sure what they have in Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the right decision, and you know, nor should they be 100% sure <laughs> what they have. I mean, we have to remember that Kirk Cousins, I mean, all credit to him. He finished the season very, very strong. He looked like a an improved player. He was also playing plenty of bad defenses. One yeah. thing that I noticed was a lot of the defenses that he was tearing up were in the bottom 12 of, of sack rate last year, and then he played two games, one against Carolina and one against uh, Chicago in that sort of 10-game stretch that he had that were outside of the bottom 12 in sack rate in NFL defenses, and those were his two clear worst games, the yeah. ones where he wasn't putting up a ton of numbers. So I think he is still a guy that we have questions about. I think he has he's improved his arm talent throughout uh, throughout the years. He's gotten a little more accurate. The one thing we need to see is can he be a guy that holds up to pressure? Like I'm the no question starter for one that sort of pressure and also on field pressure. Can he sit back in the pocket when there's a lot of defenders around him and pick apart a team like the way he was doing to the Saints and some of these other bad defenses in the NFC East? So I think that it's the right move. They should take it on a year to year basis, but. I, I would because yeah I certainly would not sit if I, just off that 10, 10 game sample I would not 
want to make the commitment to him thinking like nope he's not the guy that we saw the first you know two to three years of his career where he I mean I remember it was a couple years ago that Thursday night game against the Giants where he like literally had his head in his hands because he'd thrown all those interceptions and he just couldn't mentally come back from that so while it looks like he's improving in that regard yeah I think it's the right decision not to make a big commitment to him yeah and uh, you mentioned some of the games that he had pressure in and that he struggled in uh, not a lot of people talking at the moment he also struggled a lot in that uh, playoff game the wild card game against the Packers got a lot of pressure on him in that game and didn't Absolutely. have one of his better outings in that uh, and the Redskins as well I just want to ask two questions one's about Colin Kaepernick the other's about RG3 but RG3 with the Washington Redskins uh, obviously he had a great rookie season one of the best rookie seasons by a quarterback of all time but the Redskins have seen how although it's injury related probably to the effect of how bad it's gone um, they are well aware of uh, short sample sizes so uh, I think that probably factored into that decision as well not to give him a long-term deal uh, then on that question, Colin Kaepernick, rumours of a trade, him wanting to, to move on. Uh, what would you do at this point in time uh, if you're the 49ers with Kaepernick? And what do you think? Uh, should a team make a move for him? That's a tough situation. Um, obviously, the contract is one of those ones that it sounds like they can get out of it year yeah. to year, which is nice. But they've seemed pretty insistent that they want to have him back, which I find personally to be odd because while chip kelly's system you know his offense has always been we always hear about them like being linked to mobile quarterbacks and stuff he's shown a real preference for kind of what you would think would be timing precision up-tempo passing that's not colin kaepernick at all (laughs) he doesn't have any of that anticipation that it takes to hit the quick crossing routes that he asks his receivers to run or any like the deep post sort of stuff so to me i think he's he's really kind of a clunky fit in that regard so if i were the 49ers if he wants to be traded I have no problem giving up if a team wants to give up a lot for him. The problem is I don't think any team wants to bring in Colin Kaepernick as, like, their unquestioned starter, nor should they. I mean, he wildly regressed, you know, from the player that showed so much promise during that Super Bowl run. So, to me, if I was a team, I would sniff around him at the right price and bring him in to compete. But it sounds like Colin Kaepernick doesn't really understand where he's at at this point either. Like, he's out there demanding trades and that sort of thing. It's kind of like you need to kind of rehab your your image your not like your image in a personality way but you need to rehab your your status as as a starting quarterback in the nfl and i don't think he's approaching it that way and i don't know if the 49ers are approaching it that way either so i think kind of there's just nobody's on the same page and it feels like a lot of agents speak right now too so i think when the decision times comes we'll see how people really feel about each other yeah i think as you mentioned i think they're well away from the same page they might even might not even be in the same book i think colin kaepernick is thinking about how he played when he got to the super bowl i'm a packers fan and he pretty much destroyed them two seasons in a row in the oh. playoffs and uh, so i can remember right back to the peak of it but i think he still thinks of himself at that level he's nowhere near that level at the moment uh, getting benched this season but I still think there's talent there. It'll be interesting to see if he sticks around with the 49ers. The other one is RG3. Uh, news coming out this week, obviously, that with the tag, that the Redskins are pretty much happy to take anything for RG3 at the moment. I think if you know somebody sent up a nice fruit basket, they might get RG3 at this point in time. But I would imagine that there's going to be nothing offered, and uh, I think that he's going to end up getting uh, cut. Uh, where do you think he ends up if that does happen? Yeah, I don't know if you if you know this, but I live in Los Angeles right now working yep. for the NFL, but I'm actually originally from the D.C. area. That's where I grew up by the first, you know, 18 years of my life or whatever. Okay, so yeah. 
Yeah, so I, I'm actually really familiar with the team and everything, and it, like I just cannot remember such a this is you know, kind of a tangent, but I cannot remember like a more weird situation, like how that city and that team and that fan base completely embraced him, yeah. and then like the second things went wrong, I mean he was like Tosses he was it. like he was like dog trash yeah. around the city, which was just is incredible. It was so weird to see. So to me, I'm actually really excited to see him get away from that to get to a new team you mentioned so what are some fits i actually like speaking of los angeles if he ends up with the rams i think that could be well for one it's everybody would get a good laugh out of it because of the, the trades and everything but at the same time like if griffin is able to if he's you know a little bit farther away from the injuries i don't think he will ever be the same like world-class athlete yeah. that he was but running some option sort of stuff with him and Todd Gurley in the backfield and, you know, Tavon Austin mixed in there, that could be kind of fun, especially then if they went out and got a receiver like a Josh Doxson or a Laquan Treadwell in the draft. I think that offense could suddenly be more interesting than it's been in a long time. So that's one spot I would really like to see him in. I don't think – but then but looking around the league, it's hard to see somebody wanting to take that on. So like Dallas is an obvious answer. Um, although for him, I, I wouldn't like that because I think it's just kind of, it's a toxic sort of situation. Now there are things always seem to be going wrong. Um, Houston would be fun. I would like that, but I don't know if Bill O'Brien is going to be interested in it. So really LA feels like the perfect fit for him right now. Yeah, that there would be very interesting. You mentioned, you know, the Todd Gurley in the backfield. Uh, I would actually like to see that one happening. The Cowboys one for me, I just, I think that he's going from one environment where there's a lot of noise around him and I think going to the Cowboys is not going to make it any quieter you know if once Tony Romo yeah. gets injured there's a bad game it's going to all this is going to go around the other one that I think could have been interesting was if uh, you know if he went to Philadelphia if Kaepernick moved on because he's not going to get a big time money on a contract and he probably will have to come in as a backup but you know if he had a competition with Blaine Gabbard I think there's still a possibility he would win that and I think that would have been an interesting fit as well with Chip Kelly but I do like the one that you dug up off the St. Louis or the St. Louis Rams I need to start to filter that out the uh, LA oh, Rams still call yeah. it the St. Louis Rams but um, next up we're going to go on to free agents um, you mentioned a couple of them earlier but I just want to know would you pay them or would you pass on them uh, the first one up is Doug Martin uh, Tampa Bay Bucks running back uh, had a nice season last year a real bounce back season he had the big year as a rookie and then it was a little bit quieter uh, had a big year last year would he be somebody if uh, he does get to the market that you would pay or do you think the uh, the market value is going to be much too high for him yeah it really depends like if he's going to get the marco murray money from last year that's kind of that's kind of troublesome to me yeah. although i think that might be what the benchmark is at this point i don't remember exactly what murray got for you know on a per year basis but i mean Martin was great last year. I think he has a ton of value to Tampa Bay. I, I think they would be kind of foolish to to underrate him too much. I mean, he is a running back. We all know how that goes. But he was one of the better ones in the NFL last year, almost led the league in rushing. So to me, if he's not – as long as the, the salary isn't completely out of hand, I would feel comfortable bringing in Doug Martin if my team needed a, a starting running back. Yeah, when you look at uh, the money to Marco Murray, you got to think that might put a little bit of pause on some teams doing something similar this year. But when you also look at, uh, you know, the years that Doug Martin didn't have the big years was he had the shoulder injury and he had a couple other injuries as well. So I think a lot of people will be looking at the talent. But just with the way now you can have a running back on a four-year contract uh, as a rookie and then you can move on to your next rookie and keep doing that, I think it's going to stop a lot of teams putting the big money in because, you know, a lot of the time 
with the the running back position just it doesn't seem to work out when you you pay that big money so it's going to i'm interested to see what happens to doug martin the next one up is also a running back and it's lamar miller down in miami a lot of people i'm a big lamar miller fan but he doesn't get used uh, all that much uh, in the way you would expect him to get used. He seems to have one big game, then not used at all the next week. So I'm just uh, with him. I'm not sure because the coaches are around him all the time. They obviously know what they can get out of him. Do you think that it's a case of they just don't think that he can be that workhorse back? And uh, how do you see him going? Would you pay for him or would you pass? Yeah, I think that is the that is the question because we are definitely at that like common denominator point with uh, with Lamar Miller that multiple coaching staffs have looked at him and been like, yeah. all right, we see this guy every day. Like you said, we're not going to give him starting running back carries as much as his fantasy owners and all of us are there on the you know sideline like feed Lamar Miller. You know, come on, it seems like it's so logical, but I, I so I think he should. I think he should go out and see what else is out there. To me, I would I would give him I would give him pretty good money because he's young, he's talented. Even if he's not a feature back, who cares? There's hardly any feature backs out there anymore. Yeah. Like I think Oakland has a ton of money to spend. If I was Oakland, I would throw some cash at Lamar Miller, put him in a committee situation with Latavius Murray, who really was kind of not all that impressive to me last year. I I think that would be a great spot for him, an explosive young offense with Derek Carr. So if it's a team like that that has money, I don't mind throwing it around to Miller because also he's pretty young too for for a fourth year running back or whatever. He's he he's still got some some years left on him, so he's a guy I'd be interested in a free agency as long as your expectations are you know in check. Yeah, he came in very early as a rookie, and uh, you mentioned him being young. He hasn't had a lot of injuries either, so that's something to, to keep in mind. And uh, obviously, he's not getting as many carries as we expect, so not as much tread on the tires. Uh, the one game I remember last season, I had one game where I was—I think I was maybe 25 points behind and uh, going into Monday Night Football against the, the Giants. I thought I had no chance. Lamar Miller goes out in yes. the first half, two touchdowns. I think he might have 22 and a half points and I thought oh yeah I'm gonna come back and win this game and uh turns out I don't think he got a carry in the second half so oh, that was yeah. one of the, the tougher ones to take last year so uh funny to look back now at the time not so funny next one up uh <laughs> Greg Hardy with the Dallas Cowboys last season doesn't look like they're going to take him back my feelings on this I don't think any team should touch him around the league I think he's a toxic and uh, player to have in the locker room but any player that can uh, rack up sacks in the NFL, and he certainly can, seems to get another opportunity. Do you think uh, you would pay for him? I would certainly pass on him. But uh, your thoughts on Greg Hardy? I wouldn't. I wouldn't pay him a cent. No, I mean, just for like me as a person, yeah. no way. I I thought it was pretty ridiculous the way Dallas handled the situation last year. Um, and to be honest with you, if Dallas can't handle it, if they're sick of him, <laughs> who else is really going to take him on? I mean, I yeah. know they're that like you know maybe a veteran minimum deal or whatever but what's the like what's the point i mean if you can talk about production all you want and and as much as he puts pressure on quarterbacks and he is a very talented player but if it we just saw that just like literally the same thing just happened in dallas and now they're getting rid of him he certainly did not help them win that many games you know he didn't make their defense all that great or anything so to me if i'm an nfl team what's the point like yeah. why I I don't want to get that sort of backlash anyways. Yeah, and with him as well, you, you know he has all the talent in the world for the position. But you mentioned a veteran minimum contract, and that's not something I think he's going to settle for. So I think that'll be a big stumbling block right. as well. I think somebody will offer him the veteran minimum, but I'm sure we'll see him sometime next season. Somebody will get stuck which I which position. I hate. Yeah, I, yeah. There's nothing that makes me like more annoyed than that because it's just. It's just like it just feels wrong. I mean, to me, it's just it's wrong. No, I so. agree one hundred percent. Next up, two players you mentioned um, 
earlier in the show when you were talking about the reception perception going into the free agent market. Marvin Jones, Cincinnati Bengal, uh, he's been rumoured to be linked with uh, the New England Patriots. Uh, I don't think that'll be a good fit based on the uh, you know downfield passes that he'll be looking for. With uh, I don't think Brady his downfield game is anywhere near what it maybe once was. Um, and uh, the other one, uh, Travis Benjamin of the Browns, you mentioned he had a breakout year last year and you look at the situation he was in. You mentioned Atlanta and you mentioned the Chargers. I think both good fits for him. I'm looking forward to seeing where he lands. Uh, out of those two players, who would you be more likely to sign at the wide receiver position? Well, like I said, I think Benjamin's going to come cheaper. I think that he will be less under the radar. So for the money, I and I think they're pretty comparable players, I think that I would probably rather have Travis Benjamin, especially just because that fifth gear to me is so rare in the NFL. Like yeah. a guy who has a legitimate fifth gear, and he clearly does. I mean, he's like, like Mike Wallace back in the day with the Steelers where you could just have him run a drag across the across the middle of the field, and he's going to separate from his man and yeah. man coverage because he's just that much faster. So to me, I think he brings a more rare element. And Jones, I really, really like Jones. I actually just, like, I just charted his full reception perception the other day. But he's still, like, he's really He's really good. I just wonder if the expectations are going to get a little out of control because um, there are some holes in his game for sure. He has he, he has some inconsistencies at the catch point at times. He also has like kind of an out-of-control way of running routes. He's not like he, he should never be your team's top receiver, and I think he was really at home as Cincinnati's yeah. third option. Yeah. I mean, he was their yeah. second wide receiver, but they had a great tight end, so to me, I just wonder if the expectations are going to get out of control. I do think that he is a really good player and can bring value as a as a as a threat also i but i but i think travis benjamin's clearly the better deep threat i think marvin jones kind of gets un- overrated in that regard he's a good player but i don't know that he has the same sort of difference making ability that benjamin does yeah jones uh, a few years ago too before the year before his injury the cap out for the year had the uh, i think it was 10 touchdown catches he had i think he maybe only yeah. had maybe he had 20 four ca- in one game yeah too. i think he might have only had uh, around 30 catches in the whole season so you know, he was having a huge success rate of touchdowns, and I think that still carries over and elevates his reputation at the moment, whereas Benjamin hasn't had a, he had a good season last year, but he hasn't had that monster year that's going to bump his value up too high. So you mentioned, you know, the comparables, that they're very similar, and then you're looking at the contract you're going to have to offer them. I think I would go Benjamin's way too, but I think as you, I think Jones is going to get paid more, and uh, it'll be interesting to see again. But uh, I, I like the way Benjamin played last year, and uh, certainly thinking about Lanton and uh, Atlanta with the Falcons would be very, very interesting for him. Next up, uh, just a couple of players. I don't know, maybe you think these are all underrated. Maybe you think they're all overrated. I've written down uh, six wide receivers here and uh, going to get your thoughts on them. A player who I liked two years ago and I thought he had a bad year and kind of I, I didn't go any leagues with him last year in Dynasty or Fantasy and it was Michael Floyd off the Cardinals I think he had a nice bounce back year he did dislocate his fingers during the season but came on strong again at the very end do you think Michael Floyd is uh, underrated or overrated I think at this point he's probably he's properly rated yeah uh, I would I agree there he, yeah yeah, he's. I, I don't think anybody. I think everybody knows he's good. I don't think anybody thinks anymore that he's going to be like you know a top ten receiver in the league like he did. I uh, like think I think people did year prior to the 2014 yeah. season. But I cause I think he's a good starting NFL receiver, not a number one guy, but certainly somebody that has a lot of value, especially to a downfield passing attack like the Cardinals. Yeah, because he, he was. I think you mentioned there the two years ago, myself included, uh, overrated him very, 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 very much. So. Oh, me too. Then me last too. season, I think everyone was so down on him after that year, and I think last year he balanced it out. So I think 
Yeah, I didn't put in correctly rated. That's another option for this. <laughs> so put him in as correctly rated. Eric Decker, a player who I think has been underrated very, very much so oh. uh, by the majority of people over the last uh, three, four years. You know, he had his time in Denver with Tim Tebow. People were just saying, you know, it was lucky. Well, he was playing with Tim Tebow and he was putting up the numbers. He played with Peyton Manning. He put up the numbers when he played with Manning. It was that he was a product of playing with Peyton Manning. Now he's gone to New York. And last year he played with Geno Smith, but he had the injuries the whole season long, the hamstring injury but this year uh, he came out and he just dominated throughout the season uh, and I was very very impressed with him uh, owned him in a lot of leagues and uh, I think uh, do you think he's going to be an underrated guy he will be underrated again he will be <laughs> underrated every year yeah. he's in the NFL which is just crazy I mean what else do we need to see from Decker his tape is good his numbers are great I mean he's a good he's a great player he's a really really good NFL receiver he's a to me I think he is a top 20 ish guy it's so hard because there's so many good receivers but I I don't I don't feel weird saying that about Eric Decker at all I think he I think they have a great role crafted for him right there in the in New York especially in the red zone he's always been great there so to me he will be but he will be underrated forever I think in MFL 10s right now in the best ball leagues I think he's going in like the wide receiver 30 ish range and it's like what do we expect to be different from this year to last year because there's definitely a week that if you're playing best ball there's definitely weeks he's going to get two touchdowns in the game if you over the season he's going to get you a few big numbers and uh, he's just he's one of those players he remind, it reminds me of the situation with Jordy Nelson three or four years ago where he just consistent every year and not taking race into it but because he's a white wide receiver a lot of people never give the white guys the you know the speed or the you know just the reception ability and I think that he's uh, yeah, one of the yeah. very, very, very talented guys. And uh, again, underrated a player I'll be targeting yet again. Uh, Mike Evans, monster rookie season. You mentioned that draft in 2014. And I, mentioned, I meant to mention at the time when you are talking about the rookies, uh, I think uh, people listening and people uh, just have to start to realize that the 2014 uh, rookie draft isn't uh, you know what you... <laughs> what you get every single year yeah so uh but he was one of the products of that uh, along with sammy watkins and guys like that and uh, of course odell beckham but mike evans down in tampa bay last season had uh, injuries throughout the year do you think that maybe that slid him down or do you think he's rated correctly at the moment i think he's going to kind of get underrated this year uh i think that i mean he had more catches and yards in the same amount of games as he did as a rookie yeah. it's just that the touchdowns were down but we know touchdowns are inherently fluky yeah. i think he ends up I don't see any reason why he can't be a 10 like a 10 touchdown scoring guy again this year especially with Jameis Winston hopefully getting a little bit better and I think I I know if you follow my work at all you know how I feel about drops from a wide receiver and I think that he dropped a lot of passes last year especially like it seemed like they came in bunches too so I think that's what has people kind of down on his stock right now but I think he is great young player he's also i mentioned young he is incredibly young still he's got a lot of room to grow into his physical skill set a guy that dominated his first his first year in the in the league especially from a contested catch standpoint he's a unique talent to me i think he is he is going to get underrated especially as you know we have a new crop of rookie receivers coming in and all that sort of stuff so i i definitely i definitely still like mike evans as much as i ever did yeah you mentioned contested catches Uh, i don't think in that rookie season i've ever seen a wide receiver with uh, so much of offensive pass interference and get away with it but uh yeah you know he's, he did get away with it but but that's a but that's a skill too yeah, I yeah, mean, it is. You, yeah. when, you're, when you're scouting receivers in college football you want to see the guys who know how to get away with that yeah so and, and he, it's not like it might look egregious to the fans but the officials you know can't see it. yeah the officials can't see it they can't see everything and you got to know like i think he gets 
he gets you you're right that he does do that and it gets pointed out a lot but he's also pretty smart about knowing when to do it and how often to do it and that sort of stuff and it's definitely a skill yeah another guy that you know the, the opposition always take it up with uh, gronk but you know he's, if you're getting yeah. away with it you keep doing it and <laughs> that's the way yeah. i would look at it uh, i mentioned jardy nelson a moment ago uh randall cobb last season i think he's proven that he isn't your number one but when you have a number one he's excellent in that number two role maybe similar to eric decker where you know he was the number one two years ago in new york and i don't think that's his role i think he fits in perfectly to the number two role randall cobb i think he's probably going to be underrated going into next year just because he had uh, such a down year this season yeah i can see that uh i think he definitely got exposed in terms of what kind of player he is in the nfl but for fantasy and like just as far as production is concerned i expect him to have sort of a bounce like a pretty a pretty good bounce back year to me like jordy nelson comes back i could see them making another move at wide receiver in the draft at least i think they should i don't think they should go in counting on you know Devonte adams or james jones to be a number three again i think that they definitely or even at tight end well tight end seems like yeah. the spot they need but there's yeah. never any good tight ends in the draft anymore apparently so i i like randall cobb again next year to, to have a bounce back sort of season especially if i was in a dynasty league i would definitely i, I would have think i would have thought he i think i spent a, a first a late first or early second round startup pick on him prior to this 2015 season yeah. i would definitely go back and like get a heat check on what his price is in dynasty right now yeah and when you talk about young players as well i think he came into the league at 21 people don't really i think he's only 25 yeah. or 26 now and he's been in the league like for four or five years so i think that's going to help him as well and he just need i think if he has a player to take some of the coverage off him he's a great guy and underneath so it'll be interesting to see i think he'll have a big bounce back here uh, two more to go dariel green beckham down in tennessee uh, obviously very very raw coming into the league uh, as a rookie but shows all the ability with uh, you know his size and his speed combination but uh, just very very raw and we've seen a couple of years ago with Carterell Patterson come in very very raw and never could really grasp the playbook still hasn't been able to do it running routes and so on do you think that Green Beckham's a player who will be able to develop into that wide receiver he had his off the field issues why he, that's the main reason he went down in the draft but uh definitely has the talent do you think he can match it all up and put it onto the field consistently I do. He was my favorite wide receiver just on pure ability coming into the league last year as a rookie. Um, I really like his talent. I think he definitely, we know he's a big guy. He can win those contested catches. He's very athletic. However, I also thought he got kind of undersold as a route runner, as a more diverse player coming into the league. Uh, I thought he ran more routes than he got credit for at Missouri. And, And to be honest with you, that's like when you're as talented as Doyle Green Beckham, you can get away with not running the entire route tree, you know, like, I mean, a lot of these guys, I think we don't realize that a lot of these guys, like even the best receivers in the NFL, like Des Bryant or, or Julio Jones or Josh Gordon, Demarius Thomas is a perfect example. Like those guys don't run a bunch of routes either, but I think that green Beckham got undersold in how, in how good he was at some of the nuanced portions of the game. So to me, I, as long as everything goes well in terms of him as a, as a human being, as a person, he's going to have, he's going to have a big career and a big season starting this next year. Yeah. And uh, the last one up now, Brandon Cooks down in New Orleans, again, big rookie season, part of that uh, 2014 class again. And uh, then last year, a little bit more of a down year came on towards the end, quite strong. Uh, do you think that uh, he's somebody at the minute? I think he was overrated going into last season, a bit like the Michael Floyd situation we talked about. I think now yeah. he might be slightly underrated, and uh, we'll see how it all balances out come draft season. He'll probably get pushed up the boards again, depending on where people land in free agency in the draft. But Branton Cooks, uh, do you think he's over or underrated? Actually, I think right now he's probably 
maybe still like probably somewhere between properly rated and a little overrated maybe yeah. I- I think that his season-long numbers ended up looking good. Like you mentioned, I think he struggled starting out the season because I think the Saints were expecting and asking too much of him. Yeah. I think they they expected him to be a clear-cut number one receiver in the like like number one small receiver in the Odell Beckham Antonio Brown mold. And I don't think he's that guy. I think he's a splash player, and which is where a lot of his numbers came in bunches. You know, yeah. on big plays, that sort of stuff. I think that's the guy he was in college, and that's the guy I think he will always be. I don't think he will ever be a clear-cut like NFL number one receiver I think he will produce like he's more Deshaun Jackson that's what I was was just about to say do you think he's more like Deshaun that's how he reminds me of is those games where he just blows you away and then there's the games where maybe two catches for 18 yards right like we saw I mean Patrick Peterson did did it to a lot of guys I'm not you know it's hard to say but like that was really striking to me I was down on him going into last year because of these issues and I think I, I I think he was he played better. I you know I'm a little bit of a mea culpa here. He played better, produced better than I thought he would. But at the same time, I do think that as a pure player, that he was pretty much exactly who I thought he was. You know, he's a guy that can't be physical number one corners with it can press him really well like Peterson did in week week one that was a really striking thing I do think that the Saints will you know continue to add pass catchers that offense in general should start to decline as Drew Brees gets older so it depends on what his like you know what his value is out there to people right now whether he's overrated or underrated yeah so lots of players to look forward to uh, this upcoming season we'll be looking for after the the free agency piece comes out we'll be looking to see then guys uh, and your reception perception going into the season it's always a very good indicator because like you said with players in the combine that maybe you're not that high on but when you do your uh, reception perception that bounces them up your your thoughts in your mind uh, sometimes there's players that maybe are at the back of my mind that I'm not thinking of that uh, it helps you know you have to take a second look at them or else you also maybe I have somebody that I think is a good good player to try and pick up and your ranking sometimes helps back that up in my mind so it's uh, it's always good to see that and i mentioned the backyard banter podcast your website as well thebackyardbanter.com and you can find all your work on nfl.com but usually the best way nowadays to find everything that's going on with anyone that we have on the show is the twitter handle and of course that is at matt Harmon underscore byb but uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show matt a lot of fun anything else you want to give a, a quick plug to uh, just before we finish up uh no i don't think so uh that you pretty much you pretty much covered it got a lot of stuff going on but having a lot of fun here in the off season yeah. so yeah thank you so much for having me on this was this was a good good little chat football stuff going on hi this is greg rosenthal and you're listening to the overtime ireland podcast once again, massive thanks to Matt for jumping aboard this show. Been a fan of his work for a long, long time, and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure having him aboard the podcast. Hopefully, we can do it again very, very shortly. I mentioned following him on Twitter. It is at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. You can find his work as well on NFL.com. And of course, his own site, TheBackyardBanter.com, which his new podcast is uh, up there. Uh, two shows in the books for him, and uh, there'll be many more to come, I'm sure, in the coming weeks. So do check that out. Also available on iTunes and all the other good ways the same way as the oti podcast is available on all those formats so when you're uh, on there make sure you subscribe to overtime ireland on the itunes and make sure you do it as well i suppose for the backyard banter terrific podcast really enjoying it uh it's sigmund bloom on a couple of weeks ago on the the first episode and sigmund was on with us not that long ago i guess uh, we'll have to get him back on very very shortly because uh, it's always fun talking with sig an Irishman overseas, over in the U.S. this weekend, down in Las Vegas, Conor McGregor. I don't know how our U.S. listeners feel about McGregor. Some of our Irish listeners probably aren't his biggest fans, but I am a huge fan 
of him. Uh, love watching his fights, and I'm looking forward to watching this one in Melbourne this coming weekend. Making plans yet as to how to watch it, uh, planning to uh, meet up with a few mates uh, from back home uh, in Ireland and uh, watch it here in Melbourne. So it should be quite the atmosphere. Watched his last fight against Jose Aldo in an Irish bar over here, and uh, have to say the place was electric as sports events goes. Uh, one of the most uh, electric atmospheres I've ever been for a sports event, even though that one only lasted around 13 seconds. So looking forward to that fight this weekend, and uh, hopefully you're all looking forward to it as well, if you are fight fans. And uh, let's hope McGregor wins this one again, proclaims on forward, and uh, continues his meteoric rise in the sport of MMA. But I guess that's uh, about going to do us for today's show. Uh, hopefully you did enjoy. As always, iTunes, Stitcher, give us a written comment on there. Subscribe. Do all the things you can on social media to promote the podcast. And uh, we do, again, as always, thank you for that. Until I'm back next week. Uh, and again, any other guest suggestions, suggestions for the show, if you want to send it on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, if you want to send an email, Ireland at gmail.com. Do either of those things. Hopefully uh, we'll have some more exciting guests coming up. But if you have a guest that you'd like to hear on the show, uh, give us a little tweet or an email and we'll do our best to make that happen. So until we're back uh, mid next week with another show, as always, have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Overtime Ireland American Football Podcast. Please follow us on Twitter at Overtime Ireland. Check out OvertimeIreland.com and continue to spread the word. This has been an Overtime Ireland production.